0: You are listening to the Practicing the Art of Small Business podcast with Shannon Merlot and Julie Parker. Join their conversation about business, leadership, and the self-awareness journey to greater success.
1: Welcome to episode 10 of Practicing the Art of Small Business. Hello, Shannon.
0: Hello, Julie. How are you? How are you? I'm very, very good. It's and me. are you very good? I am very good, and i 'm talking over to you. I was going to say it's been a couple of weeks since we've recorded a podcast because life got in the way. well, actually not really. Julie and I had lunch, which was on one of our on one of our uh days that we had scheduled, so we had lunch instead, and then I had a uh, a conversation with Julie that we decided not to record, and so it's been a couple of weeks since we've recorded and um so I'm excited about getting back on the mics and yeah, seeing where what where our journey goes today, Julie? Well, that
1: is fantastic, and I loved our long, long lunch. It was just tremendous. It was such a beautiful sunny day, being outside after lockdowns and all that sort of stuff, mm-hmm. and having a beautiful Greek meal outside of a lovely Greek restaurant, mm-hmm. El fresco style. It was just delightful. It was but beautiful. today we're talking about free will, free will, and free will. how it impacts leadership.
0: Absolutely and the the little story behind this is part of uh, the reason that we didn't record is Julie last week was that I was talking to Julie about some challenges that I was having and one of the things that she said to me really sat and resonated so beautifully with me and it's why I wanted to bring it to the table today and why I thought let's talk about it and uh, my notes that I wrote when Julie and I were talking was avoid everyone free will. I can't control how you, i.e. external person, will feel. So by, by not trying to control how you feel, the external person, then they have free will to respond any way they want. And it it doesn't and i've just written here deem fit or unfit so it's not for me to deem it fit or unfit on how others respond to me because i shouldn't be trying to control that because then i'm trying to control someone else and i think that that it was so profound for me because I've been on another podcast where I've sort of said, no one's responsible for my feelings. So when someone says, oh, I'm sorry, I made you feel that way. My first response is always, you didn't make me feel anything. I'm responsible for my my emotions. I get to feel how I feel, but I'd never thought about it the other way because I do tend to want to protect others from feeling certain feelings but I can't and so it was really profound and I wanted to jump into it because I think it has such an impact on leadership what are your thoughts on your thoughts that you gave me Julie (laughs) I think I think I'm brilliant (laughs) no many years
1: ago many years ago I can't actually quite remember how what I was going through when I came to this realization but I thought to myself contemplated that whole thought of free will that concept of free will what is that actually and the way i've now applied it to my life moving forward is that if god can afford his creations if you're a christian person or if the universe can well, you know i will say god because it's actually within the bible that this is said that i will create you but you have free will You can do whatever you like with this gift of life that I've bestowed upon you. And that even means you can destroy it. It's your free will. You can practice free will in your life. These are the commandments to live by or these in in society. These are the laws to live by. These are the moral obligations to try to live by, live up to. But you have free will. As long as you understand the outcome, so if, you know I can. I've got the free will to go and steal someone's car, but I can't complain about it when I'm actually in prison, paying for that free will, that expression of free will. So we all understand that there's ramifications of any decision and action that we take. However, when we're talking about the people around us, if God can give all of them His creations free will, then who am I? to start trying to put a stain on how they think, feel, or behave. Mm. And it is very much you know, around Eckhart Tolle and ego, all of that work as well. We, ha- I think that now that I'm talking about it, I think that certainly helped me get to this space of I have no right to tell another human being or to persuade another human being or to influence another human being to think, feel, or behave, respond in any way that I choose. That is their free will. And the way I've discussed it with teams in the past is giving the analogy of and people who are watching the YouTube version of this get the wonderful joy of seeing me holding up a pad in front of the camera and a <laughs> pen.
0: <laughs> and I'll just describe it as a stick figure for those who are on the podcast <laughs> recording.
1: <laughs> and so quite often when we work in teams and we're in, when we're in loving relationships, all that sort of thing, we act in a, such a way that is trying to influence another person to think, feel, behave, respond in a certain way. A great example would be if I was a very, um, if I felt insecure in my love for another human being or that their love for me, for me to say, I love you. Do you love me? I love you. I love you. Do you love, and you want, you're not saying I love you as an expression of how you feel for that person. If there's an expectation that they say, I love you back and reassure you then you are saying I love you, not authentically, but with the manipulation side of it wanting a certain response back. Mm-hmm. So and that's a kind of an example. Mm-hmm. With my pad and my pen in my hand, what I say to team members quite often is, it's like we're, you picture us all, all of us human beings in this enormous classroom. We're all sitting at our desks and we have our pads, which is our life experience. And we have our pens, which is our free will. And as things are happening, we're writing how we feel, how we respond, what we believe about that. All the, uh, we're, we're writing down our experiencing, we're practicing our free will onto the page of our life if someone had come would come up and take your pen and throw it across the room and use their pen and start scrolling along your page so practicing their imposing their free will onto your life page your life experience you would rightfully say you have no right to do that Mm. get back to your desk (laughs) go pick up my my free will bring it bring it back to me get back to your desk (laughs) and so to be very clear about We don't have the right. The only thing we have the right to influence is ourselves. Everyone else has the right to think, act, behave, respond in whatever way they choose. And for us to acknowledge that us just wanting them to react in a certain way or be a certain way, us wanting to sway them from a naturally occurring headspace that they're in to another one that's going to suit us more so, that is us imposing ourselves on them, wanting to put our stain on them, taking or affecting their free will in that situation.
0: Mm. So much cool stuff in there, Julie. So let me just rehash what I've heard and how I feel with my own free will. <laughs> <laughs> you are free to do so.
1: See, me even saying that you've got free will is me trying to impose myself, saying, oh, yeah, you are allowed to think for yourself now. Yeah,
0: exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I really do love that analogy of that we are writing our story. And what came up for me just as another way of interpreting it is um, I really don't like when someone writes in red pen, (laughs) like when they write, you know, all their notes in red pen, it hurts my brain. And it would be literally like someone coming in and, and taking the pen, but writing it in red. And it's like, no, that's not. I can't cope with that. That's not how I want to experience my life. And and so I really love that analogy. And I I guess as we go through life as as being leaders and and having an impact on others, I think the opportunity is to check in and sort of say, am I writing on someone else's life? Am I sticking a red pen (laughs) dialogue on, on, on their notepad? Because what's the impact of that? Are you going to get the best out of the other person if you are trying to red pen on them. And I suppose the red pen analogy is, just as I'm saying it out loud, you know, red pen analogies when back in school and your your teacher marked against your piece of paper that that was wrong and, and they put a score on it, when we're red penning it, we're essentially saying, you're not doing it how I want you to do it and therefore I want you to change it. And so for me also what comes up is really that comes into elements of control and attachment and our own neediness because if you're not like me, then you're not good enough and therefore I need you to change this so that you're more like me so that I feel comfortable with you being different to me or Mm. to how I think.
1: I can't tell you how much I love the addition of the red pen on the analogy.
0: <laughs> you are welcome. I will
1: be stealing that from you for future discussions I have around because that is exactly what it is. It is coming up and putting a red mark against it, saying that doesn't—that's not right according to me. Mm. And that's what we don't have a right to do. Mm. You're very. So welcome. when we talk about, <laughs> didn't actually say thank you. So I'm not quite sure what I'm welcome about.
0: <laughs> thank you. That's free, wonderful. I just rewilled over you. <laughs> She should be faithful.
1: (laughs) So what does this mean in terms of leadership and how we actually lead a group of people towards a common
0: vision? I guess coming into the detail to start off with, I don't know about you, Julie, but a lot of the times the challenge with leadership is this avoidance of having difficult conversations. And a lot of the leaders that I've had conversations with don't want to have those difficult conversations. And they always say conflict and I always say conversation. It doesn't have to be a conflict. It's just a conversation. It's just an opportunity to share ideas. But I think that because we haven't dealt with our own internal fears, doubts and insecurities, we go into these these conversations with apprehension around, well, they're going to potentially highlight to me the things that I'm not good at, that I'm already aware that I'm not good at. And I don't want to have that conversation because then they're going to throw that back on me and I need to control that. So I'm I'm looking to control my fears. I'm not sure how they're going to react to things that I say. So I don't want to say them in the wrong way because I don't want them to react. And also I, can I trust myself to deal with the fallout? So I think that quite often from leaders in who have challenging or challenging, however you want to say it, <laughs> situations where they need to have these difficult conversations, there's a real fear around the outcome of it. So your question, which was about communicating the vision, I think that communicating a vision is easy, I think, the, in my opinion, Um, the challenge is how do I communicate the vision to someone who's not on board, who I feel is going to be somewhat difficult to have a conversation with, who's going to challenge the, the, the vision. How do I do that? So I haven't answered any of these questions yet. I'm just throwing stuff out there. What are your thoughts on what I've thrown out and then we'll spin back around. And
1: I know we keep saying this, but it does, Another example of how it highlights how important it is or one of the huge benefits, not how important it is, just one of the enormous benefits of clearly articulating what your vision is. So in your hiring process, when people are deciding with their own free will whether they'd like to work towards that vision or not, they can make that decision nice and early. When it comes to everyday discussions between a leader and a team member where, for example, maybe the the business is requiring to close down for two weeks and they really want to have all the team members take their voluntary holiday leave at that time we'll use that as an example what can where the conflict can happen and why some people do see as a conflict is that the leader would go in there with sometimes with the goal of i want that person to take those two weeks holiday and then that person the team member is you know, approached by the leader they're being told what to do they feel like they're being influenced to acquiesce to that path and they will naturally without really being terribly conscious of it start putting up resistance to that and then there's a bit of a conflict both sides are getting further and further away from each other in terms of any kind of common goal that would be shifted if rather than have the goal the leader rather than them have the goal of my goal is for this person to acquiesce to my way, if you have that higher value of allowing people to practice their own free will, then the goal is I want them to freely decide something, whatever is, and that decision is whatever is best for them. And so then the conversation is different. Rather than bolding forward single-mindedly, to make that person say, yes, I will take ho- those holidays when you want me to. They are instead going to that person, providing them with all the information, even the hidden information. I mean, sometimes people leave out key pieces of information because they think, oh, that will persuade them against doing it my way. So I'll keep that one out. But no, you go in there very open. This is all the information that's in front of me. I see the solution as everyone taking two weeks holiday at this particular time, what are your thoughts around that? And their goal, instead of pushing that person to a decision is for them to freely decide something. Then that person subconsciously doesn't feel pressured, bullied into anything at all. They're given all the information, especially if they're given hidden information as well. And all of a sudden they start to think for themselves, they think to themselves, the leader is watching my back for me. I am less inclined to rear up resist the process because I have to watch my own back but they're more inclined to a decision now the decision may not be what you want but then that's the new scenario that you've got to face if your value is for your team members to practice free will if that's the higher value then just having everyone do what you tell them to do then the conversations won't be conflicts they will be open and frank discussions and hopefully everyone's working towards the same goal
0: hmm So I'm just going to play around with this for a Mm. minute, Julie. Uh, First of all, what you did say is Leadership 101. Leadership 101 is make them part of the process. So when you make someone part of a decision-making process or any process, then they own a part of it and they come willingly. So whenever you're looking to create change in your environment, allowing people to be part of it means that they will buy into it much more easily it's a big difference between saying here's what we're doing and saying hey i want to get your opinion on what we're doing and we collectively decide and then we go ahead and do it so that's just one thing but let's play out your scenario julie because if i'm I'm sure that there's people saying yeah but we're closing over the christmas period there is no choice here where's the free will if there is no choice and how do i communicate that if we are closing you don't get a choice as to whether you're taking the 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 lead or not so how i guess part of it is and this is a really practical example that can then be applied in lots of other areas where there are certain things where it's like, this is kind of how it has to be, but how do I communicate it so that you have the free will to choose, you have the free will to choose how you respond to that situation, but you kind of can't change the outcome of it. Um, So I guess if I was, if someone sort of said to me, Hey, Shannon, um, they wouldn't, I mean, it'd be me having this conversation with me, but me telling me to take two weeks off, I'd be like, I'm sorry, what? <laughs> I don't understand. I don't not speak English. <laughs> <laughs> but you won't get paid if you work. <laughs> and the difference would be. Um, <laughs> and, and so maybe, and, and I suppose that's the thing. It's about, uh, as I say that, it's a little bit about, Uh, outcome consequence something what's the word something when there's consequence so yeah look we're going to close down I Mm. can't pay you you can work Mm. totally up to you how you deal with this situation is that what we're talking about or is it is there is there no you're right you're right though because how
1: how do we apply this concept to all the scenarios that are uh, laying before us because there's also the you must if you if you work full-time for me it's Monday through to Friday, nine to five. The person still has free will, whether they actually turn up every one of those days and for the amount of hours they're supposed to be turning up. Mm. They've got that free will to do that or not, but there's consequences to the actions. Mm. And so if you, that's like you know one of the most basic employment agreements. I will agree to pay you this money for this many hours of work Mm -hmm. you agree to turn up for this many hours of work and perform these responsibilities and that's the fair exchange Mm -hmm. the minute we practice free will and say you know what i'm not going to be turning up mondays anymore or i'm going to be turning up an hour late every day you can do that but there's consequences for it as well and what i'm not talking about is punishing decisions that that person makes that don't agree with what you would like them to do i'm certainly not talking about that whatsoever What I'm saying is that there's such an awareness around their free will that you recognise the responsibility that lies within you that not only are you very clear in your employment of that person saying I need you to come in Monday through to Friday, nine to five every single day, apart from sick days, holidays, public holidays, but you as an employer see your responsibility that in order to create an environment, where that person's free will is eager and willing to come into your workplace and help you achieve the business goals towards the business vision, then you're responsible for the environment that you create for that. Mm. Mm. So you can say, so you can say, we have now got to the stage where this business is going to be closing every year for two weeks over the Christmas period. We've never done it before, so it's not a habitual thing that we can all of a sudden impose upon you. What I would like to do is have this happen every year. Everyone takes two weeks then, and then they've got complete freedom of when they take their other two weeks. How do you feel about that? And you can be more in more of a discussion around that. If they say, no, 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 I must be working those couple of weeks, then as I say, that's the new scenario that you're presented with. And- Fair work and all of these many, many laws around employing people help direct what we're supposed to be doing in that space. So, if you give enough notice, you can start permanently closing two weeks after Christmas every year. If you are within that notice period, find work for them, make that time useful. And then every year after that, that's the agreement moving forward.
0: Mm. What you said there, Julie, is really interesting and it's a big, it's actually the theme of the conversations, all the conversations I had last week, which was about setting expectations. And I think that if we're really clear about what our expectations are and give the other person free will to choose whether they're willing to meet those expectations or not, then we're all going to enjoy the journey a lot better. I think that the hard thing is that often we we humans don't communicate our expectations and boundaries kind of come into that you know what am I willing to accept and what am I not willing to accept Mm. but I think that the more that we can communicate this is how you know this is how I want my situation to be and here's how I uh, want it to look like feel like sound like in terms of your interaction with me but you get to choose whether you want to do it that way and you get to choose whether you want to stay on my boat or you can negotiate with me hey my expectations are this and then have a discussion about well am i willing to come and meet your expectations and how do we meet in the middle but it's through lack of communication of of what either of us want or or holding that this is my expectations and I'm not even willing to hear your expectations mm. that's where conflict and con- where conflict does happen and it's not a conversation what are your thoughts on that yeah and i think
1: that effective leadership and i think this is effective for employees as well that there's never an imposed direction, but rather an invitation to come along. And the invitation from the, from the leader to the team member is saying, you know, there's a couple of weeks, you know, we've closing over Christmas time. I'd love it if you could take your two weeks off then as well, you know, barring any other thoughts that you may have about the situation. And this is the benefits of the comp to the company for this. This is how I came to my decision. So it's more an invitation to come on board. And, just because when you consider it more of an invitation to come on board you as a leader will naturally provide additional information that's helpful for that person to make a decision whether it when it's just a clear direction it comes out more of an order without all of the additional information and so that other person doesn't get the opportunity to even come on board eagerly because they don't have all the facts and figures around it all the, all the details around it but I also think that just as employers have a responsibility to create an environment where that employee free comes turns up every day and delivering their best and strongest performance the so so too the other way around that the employee is offering and the employer an invitation every day uh i'm turning up like this every day on time i'm being reliable i'm completing my tasks to the best of my ability because i want to extend the invitation that's me extending the invitation to you to continue hiring me long term mm
0: just as again going on a little bit of a tangent mm. you you talked about giving orders and what I wrote down there for those who were watching me not looking at Julie was a dictator and you know there, there is a bit of a di- it, often when we're running our own businesses it's like what's well, my way or the highway and if you don't like it then you can get off the bus and I think that sometimes when we're running a small business it's really important to have people aligned but what's the aligned with what we want So we talked about values and things like that, and we do want to have people who hold similar values to us because it does mean that we have an easier, more enjoyable, more fun experiences as we're going on the journey. However, if I've got a a slightly dictatorship, leadership style, i.e., here's my order, do as I say. Do it because I say so. What's the problem with that? What are the problems that we can run into with that level of leadership thinking? Because some people might think, well, no, this is my bus, my business. It is. This is the way it is. And if you don't like it, you can lump it and on your bike. But what outside of of uh, you know, (laughs) good. It's good if it works. But what's the problem with that style? Of thinking, in your opinion, Julie, I think it depends
1: on the industry and the level of experience of the employees that you're that you're looking at. For example, I think the setting delivering an order, this is how way we do things. You just got to do it that way. Bad luck, don't you? Don't get to have an input. That's great for young people going into the workforce, such as kids, you know, starting to work at McDonald's, for example. They haven't got the level of experience and skills to be able to deliver any other effective alternative to the way things have been done to date. They're there in a training space to start to learn what it takes to be a good employee and how to roll out a series of responsibilities that is commensurate with their level of, hey, beautiful man.
0: (laughs) (laughs) You're going to keep that in the podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Um, (laughs) (laughs) I don't know if Julie's going to keep this part of it in (laughs) or not but she she might edit out the reason why I'm saying this but Julie is just beautiful she just got interrupted by her husband and the adoration and pure unadulterated love that she has for him <laughs> I'm going to assume it was him and not her gardener um, is just absolutely beautiful and um thank you for letting me see that yeah you're kind and I will keep it in because uh, he's a magnificent man
1: okay? <laughs> reading number two is magnificent for me <laughs> <laughs> So coming back to uh, the times where delivering orders is very effective, obviously within the army it's very effective too. I mean, I know that there's all sorts of bullying and terrible stories that come out from it as well, but for whatever reason, the benefits have been there that ordering people to do things in a certain way, especially when other people's lives are on the line, then that is a very effective way of doing it. However, if we went to the other end of the extreme and said we've got a group of people that have all worked 30 years in the industry It's a creative space all around marketing and design and all the rest of it. Going in there with a series of orders just simply won't work. One, they're at the age and experience level where those people would demand a higher level of respect and contribution than that. They don't want to be in that headspace where they're just being told what to do. They're creatives. I want to have an input. I want to be able to put my stain on this. I want to be able to use my initiative. And so it wouldn't work for them. And I think quite often one of the best best ways of gauging whether your style of leadership is working for the people in front of you is how many people are staying and how many people are leaving. Although I want to say that with a bit of a caveat as well. I've worked with a couple of bosses who are very much, I'll order you, you do what I tell you to do. And, but on top of that, they they were quite intimidating micromanagers, that kind of uh, flawed, (laughs) heavily flawed leadership style. And they did have a group of both of these uh, people had a group of people that stayed with them for a long time because when we're talking at that that level of leadership which really I, I don't think anyone strives to have that kind of negative influence over somebody else's life you damage their the employee's self-esteem to a point where they don't feel confident enough to go anywhere else and so they just mm-hmm. keep staying in that one space getting sadder and sadder and less confident in themselves and their performance struggles because of it and then they get you know, even more heavily scrutinised for their lacking performance. And so it's a nasty little cycle. So I should say that have a look at how, what your turnover of team members is like, because if newer team members come in and they're kind of bouncing themselves out within six months, I'd be ringing them up and saying, please be open and frank with me. What was it that made you leave? And if they're turning around and saying it was actually all you, that's a good time to um, do some self-reflection. And if I just could come back a little bit and speak a little bit more to what we were mentioning at the start of this episode, Shannon, where free will and its relevance to trying to control or have an influence over the response that you're getting from the people around you, because I think that's a really truly freeing space that what does your communication look like? What space do you hold with people when you start acknowledging that that other person will react in any hundreds of billions of ways and none of them you have any attachment to Mm. you're not trying to make them happy sad controlled not controlled anything you're just letting it be Mm. without putting your hook into any part of that Mm. what does this what space do you hold now Mm. because we do often as leaders make decisions based upon the presumed responses from the people around us rather than what's best for the company as a whole or other team members as well or whatever the decision may be. Hmm.
0: I think that's probably a really good place to wrap this one up. There There was some other stuff that came up and maybe there's a future podcast around learned helplessness and the risk of when we tell people what to do and consistently beat them down. If if we have a habit of doing that consciously or unconsciously, there is that learned helplessness style. And that means you don't get productivity from your team and your business doesn't progress further because people just become yes people. And so if your business has stagnated and your employees are still there, but not really adding value to your organization, everyone's really safe. You're safe as a leader because no one's challenging you, but what's what's it costing you as a result? So we can kind of talk all about that. But I think that there is that idea, just wrapping the this this session up, perhaps, Julie, is that we we want to go into these com- any kind of conversation with an idea around that we shouldn't be and i suppose if, actually i'm trying to control your free will by saying you shouldn't <laughs> but as you start to think okay am i projecting my stuff onto others in order to get an outcome that suits me best and there's a, it's art science in business because at the end of the day, the buck does stop with us and at the end of the day, there's good reason why we make certain decisions. But what's the higher purpose of us being here and what do we want from the people who are around us? Do we want people to grow and express themselves in a way that's going to help them to grow, which actually then by virtue will help us to grow? So I think setting those expectations of this is what I'd like you know, this is, this is the situation. I loved your point around giving people more information than what we normally do. We often hold back on certain key parts of information. So giving all of the, all of the information so that then people are informed around why this is a desire, but to give them free will, to be able to digest what they've heard and be able to make decisions and be able to feel and react if that's their, if that's their reaction and and respond and to feel and to blame and to, to what have you, because that's their free will. What we do with that, that's okay. We can figure that out as we go along the journey, but by trying to control them before it even happens, doesn't allow any of us to grow and the final the final point is really around the attachment to people's responses and we could probably go on a deep dive around attachments and the the whole impact of our attachment to others but that point that you made of what space would we hold if we weren't attached to the outcome or we weren't attached to their response of what we want it to be what would we do differently and I think just thinking around that there is a real opportunity for opportunity for us as leaders to just sit in that space of our uncomfortability because we don't have certainty of how it's going to be and we're not actually trying to control others to give us that certainty so there's real opportunity in embracing the uncertainty around those situations so there are my thoughts on today's podcast oh, i love a good
1: summary that was a beautifully done thank, thank you sure. so much for that <laughs> <laughs> well i i don't wish for you anything shannon because it's your free will to experience whatever you like however i'd like to create the environment that you want to come back for episode 11 which we're recording in about five seconds time
0: <laughs> <laughs> thanks julie thanks listeners